Greet you in Jesus' name this morning. It's been a blessing to me to be here. I was challenged by the Sunday school lesson. The title of the message this morning is Willing, Mas- Willing Servants for the Master. The uh, goal of the message is what can I do to help my congregation grow and mature? How would you rate Prairie Church? Poor? Mediocre? Good? Excellent? It's one of the four. We, we, we can't just say, well, I, you know. How, how, what, what kind of a perspective do I need? What kind of a perspective do I have to have? What can I do to make my church grow? The Church of Jesus Christ. I'd like to propose this morning several things. Number one, I believe I need to choose my reality. Now, reality was something that was here before I arrived. It'll be something that's here, it will be here after I leave. I don't change it. It doesn't depend on me to be valid. So I need to choose what kind of a reality I'm going to form my life around. I need to prioritize my realities, if I want to put it that way. Some things are more real than others. And what I determine is the most real. That is how I will order my life, and that's how I will behave. And that's how I will, that's what I will be a servant to. I will become a servant to what I believe is most real. So I have to choose my reality. What, what is more real to you? God? Or is your house more real than God? Is your job more real than God? Is your... You see, we're bombarded with reality as we view it around us. However, is there a greater reality? And will I, do I find myself professing one reality yet living by another? You see, all realities are dependent on God. Because God was here long before I was here. God was around long before the earth was created. Alright? So it doesn't even, the, the true reality doesn't even depend on the existence of the earth. But if I live by the earth, and yet profess to live by a greater reality, that's impossible. Hebrews 11.6 says, He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. In other words, you and I have to be convinced that it is worth my time to pursue the greatest reality that there is. 
any church, any, yes, any church, any congregation that is pursuing the reality of the earth is in big trouble. We must base our reality on God. And by the way, what reality is going to be left after the earth is burned up? The greatest reality. Some people say that God is real because trees are real. But no, it's not that way. Trees are real because God is real. The greatest reality created the lesser reality. So we need to choose. Number two, we need to choose the world that we live in. Like I said, our world bombards our senses. If we're going to... If we're going to be a true servant of the Master, if we're going to build spirituality in our congregation, then our focus cannot be on this world, it must be on another world. On a world that is greater than the one that we live in. Hebrews 11, if you want to turn there, Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, now get this, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. He's saying something greater created the lesser. What we see around us, what bombards our senses, is a product of a greater reality. And that reality is God. You see, the greater always always produces the lesser. Lesser cannot produce the greater. It's impossible. God can make me, but I cannot make God. Earthly example... Man can create an F-350 Ford, but an F-350 Ford cannot make a man. And young guys, remember that. You get it? You will save yourself lots of time and energy in the course of your lifetime if you understand that things cannot make you. See, that's a guy thing. Guys want power. They want Possessions, that type of thing. The ladies, somehow or the other, they want to do themselves up. You know, I mean, you know, it's like their tendency is to put stuff on and whatever. And I don't know if they like F-350s or not, but. Verse 8 in Hebrews 11 says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called out of a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith he had sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, for he looked for a greater reality. He looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He looked for a greater reality. 
Verse 13 says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They confess that they are living in a lesser reality. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have not had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country. That is a heavenly reality. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. That is profound. And Okay, so they, like us, live in, are faced with two worlds simultaneously. They and us live by human restriction here. The world that they perceive to be the most important is the world that they live for. And that's exactly the same as us. That's what motivated them. That make, that's what made them go. That is what fueled their life. So, the spiritual advancement of the church is crucially affected by which reality we live by. Number three, how can I help my church to grow and to mature? We must choose which set of eyes we use. Do my spiritual eyes or my physical eyes have the clearest vision? What am I focused on? In our Sunday school lesson this morning, and I, I can't quote the verse, but something to affect that if we fear the fear God, He will reveal Himself to us. When I focus on obedience to God, He will show me things that I will not see any other way. I just simply won't. John 14.21 says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. So if we love God, we do what God says, God takes us into greater spiritual maturity. I will manifest myself to him. I will show myself to him. That him, which is you and I, will be seen by our spiritual eyes. So how aware am I of God? What is the common denominator of all Christians? Could it be an awareness of God? Would in a greater awareness of God revolutionize my life? Would it change me? What would happen if I had a true vision of what God wanted me to do and then had the courage 
to get up and do it, what, what would happen? That's a challenge to myself. Just do it. Psalm 27, verse 7, is David's testimony. David said, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, Seek ye my face. So God's saying to David, Seek ye my face. I want you to pursue me. My heart said to God, David says, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not. Neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. David's instant response. God says, I want you to seek me. David says, Lord, that's what I'm going to do. Right now. What a challenge. You see, when I seek God, that determines what I do, but it also determines what I won't do. I won't be wasting my time serving self. I won't be wasting my time serving self, Satan. You see, a lot of time is wasted in our life by the fact that we look our focus isn't where it should be. So, maybe if I seek the Lord, maybe I would spend more time in this book than in Facebook. <laughs> you see, when I see God, how, how, how can I do anything but have my life well up in service for God? Number four, we're racing against time this morning. Just hang on. Keep with me. All right. Number four. We will need to choose who we listen to. Today, there is an unlimited amount of voices calling for our attention. We live in a very fast-paced society, saturated with information. What am I listening to? Can I still myself long enough to listen to God? Can I do that? Can God speak to me? Am I listening? You see, God didn't appear out of nowhere, write a book, and disappear. No, He didn't. See, he's speaking now. God is everywhere. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. God speaks when I drive to Mar to Lansing and it's 20 below zero and I see the sun dogs. That's God speaking. Now he's speaking when there's eight foot snow drift 100 feet long in my driveway. The power of God. Nah, whatever. But then, those are, then there are those moments where it's personal revelation with God.
go out this door. There's a flower bed there. You know where it's at? One Sunday morning, after church, I walked out of church. The first corner of the flower bed, I was standing right there. And God spoke to me the same as if He would have yelled it in my ear. He had a message for me that changed my life. I was struggling and struggling for years trying to figure out what happened in my past. I stood right there and God said, Dennis, you will never figure it out. Drop it. God, thank you. It's done. You see, God has He has messages for me, and He has messages for you. Some of them are very personal messages. But we gotta listen. Hebrews four twelve says for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him which whom we have to do. And that process, thank you, Brother Ryan, for that song. I, that song is such a challenge to me. Lord, thou hast searched. There is nothing you don't know. You are everywhere, everywhere I turn. There you are. The process of God dissecting our hearts, speaking into our needs, is happening here this morning to every single person in divine presence. God is dividing asunder. God is individually discerning every single one of our hearts. God sees it all, and He's presently speaking to every single person. I read one time, we hear of airplane crashes where 235 people, for example, die simultaneously but no they don't each one dies separate all by themselves And so God speaks to us through His Word. God speaks to us by His Holy Spirit. He speaks to me through you. And that's crucial to me. So what do I really want to hear? Do I really want to hear the still small voice? Do I want to hear what my brother has to say to me? What, do I want to hear what the Holy Spirit's saying? Do I want to hear what the Bible says? 
Or am I concerned, more concerned about whether Trump gets his wall built? Number five, in order for my congregation to grow, I must choose my congregation. Now, you say, I already did that. Now, wait a minute. Maybe better stated, I must continue to choose my congregation. You see, you say, well, what's that have to do with it? Well, what it has to do with it is that my congregation that I'm a part of is either a growing congregation or it is a dying congregation. See, the church is not some vague entity out there somewhere that I can blame my problems on. The church is made up of single individuals. Use an illustration of the airplane. Alright? Single individuals. So we grow together as single individuals or we slowly die as single individuals. So I cannot even logically say, well, the church is all bad. Well, who's part of the church? This old gentleman, I think I used the illustration before, old gentleman we used to take pick up and go to church. And he was a self-proclaimed uh, politician and, and his favorite subject was the national debt. And he would shake his finger at me and he'd say, Dennis, the federal government, that's me and you, is $367 billion in debt. And every single time we pick him up, he'd harp on the national debt and every single time he'd say, that's me and you. Now, 17 years old, I didn't think I had a capability of taking care of $367 billion worth of national debt, and I probably didn't even really care that much. But he had a point. That's me and you. So I need to choose to see the value of the church, my congregation, if you please. And to get behind it, make it work. I need to choose to love the brotherhood intensely. I need to choose to exercise patience and forbearance toward my brothers and sisters on purpose. I'm, I must choose to unload my personal file cabinet of real or supposed personal grievances at the foot of the cross daily. I must intentionally choose to... Submit myself to God in the church so that Christ may be glorified. I must immediately stop distancing myself from others because of personal preferences. I must choose to acknowledge that if the church is to grow, that growth must happen right here, right now, in my life today. I must put forth effort in loving the Lord with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my strength, and cultivate a personal relationship with God and with His bride, the church, which is me and you. Paul makes that big long thing that I just read very short, and he says, I die daily. That's what he said. 
So I need to deny myself. I need to take up the cross. I need to forgive. I need to care. A.W. Tozer made a very profound statement one time when he said, the problem with Christians today is that we confess what we do rather than who we are. And I've said that here before. I'll say it again. I'll probably say it a few more times. Our problem is that we confess what we've done rather than who we are. So I can be sorry I did something. But the real question is, why did I do it? That is the real question. So we need to get past the surface. We need to get down into heart issues. We need to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So I asked you this morning, what is your vision for the church? I want it to mature and grow. Do you want it to mature and grow? I believe you do. But I need to get very personal about it. If it's going to mature and grow, that includes me. And you know what? Something about spiritual growth. You know, there's certain things you do, and, and you can just do them, and then you you hit you hit the top, and that, that you know it's. That's just all there can be done. But something about spiritual growth, it is unlimited, and you can grow and grow and grow and grow and grow all your life, and you can continue on growing, and you will never hit neither the glass ceiling or any other ceiling. And so God this morning says, if I want to grow, he tells me if you want to grow, and I say you this morning, if you want to grow, have at it. God's looking for people like that. And He's here to make our lives more fruitful. Servants that He can look down and bless and watch His work being performed for His glory on a day-to-day basis.